BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. So I know that every generation is either getting dumber or as we get older, we just think everyone else is dumber. Truth be told, when it comes to that, it's usually that the younger generations aren't as experienced and they have a different perspective on life than what we do, who have experienced some things. So we just always assume that they're dumb, but they're not. We were just that dumb, too. Except for Mark. Mark was never a a dumb kid. Thank you for that. Uh, I know you're very welcome. You're very welcome. It was why you are uh, in the newsroom. Uh, You see, if you were a a smart, studious person who uh, really had uh, perceptive skills and knew how to analyze things, uh, they put you in the newsroom. If you were a dummy who made a lot of mistakes and learned life through making those mistakes, then they make you a talk show host. Uh, And that's exactly what happened here. Uh, However, I was running across an article that the L.A. Times is running, and come to find out, grades in the L.A. school district are going up, but test scores are going down. How is this possible? It would seem, through basic analysis, that it's possible because kids are cheating on their homework. Uh, That seems obvious to me. Uh, Come to find out, that doesn't seem to be the explanation everyone believes is the case. LA Times article, uh, after falling in the early semesters of the pandemic, by spring of 2022, high school and middle school math and English grades in LA Unified School District not only rebounded, they went up, according to an LA Times analysis. At the same time, math and English proficiency rates on the state's standardized tests fell to their lowest level in five years. All right, well, this... Okay, wait a minute. Is there a reasonable explanation for this that doesn't leave us pointing fingers at somebody and saying, well, this is their fault? No, we do talk radio, so we're going to blame it on somebody. But if we were to suppose that there were a reasonable explanation, we would say, well, that's because the kids had a tough time in 2020 and and maybe even early uh, 2021 with schools you know, being closed and and trying to get restarted and this sort of thing. I mean, all right. Well, that would that would explain why there's a 
why things are tough. So the, the kids are getting good grades, but they're just behind. And so it would make sense that their grades are good as they're trying to catch up. But when you take a standardized test, they're, they're not at the level they should be simply because we had the COVID year, basically. Now, that may seem like a reasonable explanation, but frankly, I still got six more minutes to kill in this segment. So let's go ahead and point some fingers on this. The vast majority of students whose teachers follow revised grading guidelines put in place amid the pandemic received A's, B's, and C's in their classes. But the good report cards may not reflect the student's ability to meet the California's grade level standards, even though a district policy calls for a C to mean that a student understands the material. That's a newspaper way of saying what I just did. And that is that their grades are good, but everyone's basically half a year to a year behind where they should be because of the pandemic year. All right? But there's more to this. Remember this. Remember this key sentence. The teachers are following revised grading guidelines. Yeah. Revised grading guidelines. There. That's the hang-up here. In math, 73% of 11th graders earned A's, B's, and C's. Test scores, however, showed only 19% met grade-level standards. In other words... Uh, little Susie's coming home and she's got a, a B in her algebra class. And yet when she takes her test, she is, uh, she's pulling a, uh, an F minus. Is there an F minus? I don't think there is an F minus. There should be. Let's call it a double. She's got an FF. Uh, little Jimmy, uh, is in eighth grade and maybe he's pulling an A. 79% of 8th graders were getting A's, B's, and C's on math. However, test scores showed that fewer than one quarter met grade-level standards. In other words, little Jimmy, he's got an A in his pre-algebra, which I took in 8th grade and hated it. Uh, But his test scores show that mm, little Jimmy should probably be in remedial math. How is this even possible? Again, let's come back to this little sentence here that I want to focus in on. The revised grading guidelines. Hmm. We have revised the grading guidelines. Pandemic hardships led, again, from the LA Times, pandemic hardships led LA Unified and other California districts to ease grading requirements as students experienced unprecedented disruption to their lives and education when campuses closed. The most vulnerable students lacked basic resources and support at home to continue learning. All of it's true. A lot of the kids didn't have the opportunities at home. Maybe uh, maybe uh, mom and dad are, are still trying to work through the pandemic. You know, Maybe they weren't uh, sent home. Uh, maybe they were essential workers. Uh, maybe they were just essential to whatever the business was that they were in. Uh, maybe they were working from home, but they didn't have time to sit there and basically homeschool their kids, and they made it tough. Or maybe you ran into a situation where the kid is not from a Uh, an affluent family and doesn't have the ability or the resources, I should say, uh, in order to, uh, to be able to keep up with the class. Maybe, maybe little Tim doesn't have the new laptop. Maybe little Tim is trying to get by with what he can get by on. Maybe they're still running an old computer uh, in the family room, but he has to share with two or three other siblings. Totally possible. When long existing disparities became starkly evident, educators moved toward compassionate grading that did not penalize children for the unfolding crisis. In the spring of 2020, when the schools first closed, the district eliminated Fs entirely. In other words, Susie, who should be getting an F- or an FF, 
She doesn't get that. No, we're just getting a need to work a little harder, Susie. The following academic year, which largely unfolded online, the district saw a flood of D's and F's and quickly moved to change grading guidelines, giving students additional time to make up work and retake tests. A D is considered a passing grade for graduation, but college readiness requirements call for a C or better. Now, I don't know how it was when you were growing up. For me, a D meant you passed. You were below average, but you passed. A D meant the school wanted you to not be their problem any longer. A D meant, congratulations, we're going to say that the teacher did their job and you can move on. And a college says, you're not good enough for us. That's how it was when I was growing up. I'm guessing that's how it was for you growing up. And in California, we decided, eh, that's that was good enough for us. That's the way it should be uh, going forward. The problem, however, is that for you and I, getting a D when we were younger was harder than somebody getting a D after the pandemic. This is probably our biggest failing when it comes to handling the pandemic. Not just the students and the, and the kids and the school, but we really lowered the standards for everything. And we didn't bring the standards back up. There's one thing to say that we understand that there are additional hardships happening right now. COVID hits, everything shuts down, businesses are closed. People are out of work. So we say, well, let's put in, uh, let's put in a, an eviction moratorium to make sure that people who, through no fault of their own, are unable to, to make their rent payments, let's make sure that they don't get thrown out on the street. It's compassionate and it's reasonable. For it to continue on for the last two years is unreasonable. When the students miss time in school, and then we go to the online learning, which, is, which proved to be challenging. I'm not saying it was the wrong choice. I know a lot of people are going to scream that it was the wrong choice. I will not say that it was the wrong choice. I fully understand why that choice was made. And I don't disagree with the choice. However, by installing compassionate grading and then sticking with compassionate grading, we've given a pass to an entire, uh, I don't want to say a generation, but we've given a pass. Well, it really is a generation. It's like an entire generation just missed a year of school. That's not fair to them going forward. We didn't help them catch up. Instead, what we did is we said, wow, things were really hard. Let's just lower the standards. We lowered the bar. We lowered the bar for evictions. I guess we raised the bar for evictions. We lowered the bar for making your rent payments. We lowered the bar for achieving success in school. We can't keep lowering the bar and then expecting people to outperform previous bars. It doesn't work that way. And it's not fair to the students. And what happens is the students think they're doing great. The parents believe students, hey, my kids are getting A's and B's. That must be fantastic. Unfortunately, they go and take those tests, those standardized tests, and those A's and B's prove to be garbage. Because the students' test scores, which is a real measurement of how the students should be performing based on their grades, just aren't there. And then, not to be too curmudgeonly here, schools get rid of SATs and ACT requirements, and so they're using GPAs, which we know are artificially inflated because schools have used these compassionate grading systems, and kids get to college and professors at college aren't nearly as forgiving, and suddenly you've got a crisis of education on your hands where kids are going into college woefully unprepared. 
And so the compassionate grading ends up creating more of a class divide between the kids who were able to keep up with their studies because their parents had the wherewithal and the kids who are trying to break through suddenly are way underprepared for getting to college and you have the haves and the have-nots. And it's our fault for allowing it to go on as long as it has. I got to talk about uh, getting fat on the holidays. I just jump around all over the place, don't I? From dumb kids to fat me. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why fat shaming is good. It's next. Chris Marilyn for John Ken, KFI AM 640. Live everywhere in your iHeartRadio app. Holidays are here. I'm looking forward to eating a bunch of crap. I am. My wife says, what do you want for Christmas? I said, whatever's in front of me. I'm all about it. Love it. And the thing is, is that I know I, I'm putting on weight. Right? I gained my, my COVID-35, and uh, I was like, whoa, sky's the limit. We can keep going. It's got to change, though. It's the COVID-35? I thought yeah. it was the COVID-20. That's what my doctor told me. Oh, your doctor was lying. He was lowballing it, I guess. Yeah, COVID-35. And the thing is, is that I know it's because of what I eat. Because, I, you know, I walk, I walk my dogs every day, right? I, we get a couple miles in every day. Now, granted, it's not like it's a high pace or anything, and we do stop to pick up poop periodically, sometimes theirs. But I feel like the uh, the weight should be coming off because I am exercising, and my Apple Watch tells me, congratulations, you've burned an extra 900 calories today. And yet, the scale doesn't seem to show that I'm burning an extra 900 calories a day. The scale says, hey, fatso, how are you doing that? And I think it's because I just eat too much uh, garbage. The... Wall Street Journal was talking about holiday weight gain. Now, why does it matter? Why would the Wall Street Journal talk about this? It's because you've got a number of companies that are paying attention to how fat you are. I love this. Company weight management challenges have long been a feature of the office life. During the holidays, encouraging staffers to avoid gaining between November and January, the challenges often carry the motto, maintain, don't gain, offering incentives such as rebates on insurance premiums to employees who track their weight and stay in a particular range through the holiday season. That seems like a nice incentive, doesn't it? Hey, we can lower your insurance premium if you don't gain weight during the holiday season. But the only way to prove that is if you tell them how fat you are. You jump on the scale and you weigh in periodically. Uh, it, mo- it motivates some people. Uh, the programs and their messaging uh, aggravate other people, however, according to the Wall Street Journal. They say companies shouldn't monitor workers' weight and rankle. Uh, notes like one sent to employees of Anaka County, Minnesota, noting that this holiday, the only thing that should be stuffed is the turkey. Evidently, they feel like you shouldn't be stuffing your belly full of whatever it is that you're eating. Uh, They say challenges are ill-timed for a moment when the body acceptance is gaining traction. Some workers and clinicians say uh, at a recent research links weight stigma with poor mental health outcomes for unhealthy eating habits. Obesity is on the rise in the United States, which raises the risk for health issues like type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, sleep apnea, musculoskeletal injuries. The number of states with obesity rates is now over 35%, more than doubled, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention data. In other words, we're getting fatter. And our response is to say, that's cool. We don't want you to feel bad about getting fatter. And I got to tell you, there's this big part of me that says, that's, that's great. Don't feel bad about who you are. Because truth be told, I'm not really judging you. And I have to tell myself that too, because I'm not happy with the person I see in the mirror. I, I'm disgusted by who I who I look like in the mirror. And as I'm getting older, all of a sudden, 
skin doesn't spring back the way it used to. I don't like it at all. And frankly, I like intimacy with my wife. I don't like that because I don't want her to see the fat guy that's lying on top of her. Although she knows she can't breathe. I don't like who I see in the mirror physically. But I also have to remind myself, I'm not judging the person I see on the street. When I meet somebody and I shake their hand, if they're overweight, I don't think, oh, that's a fatty. I just think, hey, how you doing? You seem like a nice person. So I'm not worried about about their weight. Are they worried about my weight? Probably not. But I'm kind of over this whole body acceptance stuff. I know for my own mental health, I should look in the mirror and be happy with the person I see, but I'm not at all. I don't judge somebody else based on their weight. I don't think somebody else should judge me based on my weight. But if I'm simply accepting that, well, hey, I'm overweight. Aren't I kind of trading my physical health for my mental health? And if I'm saying, hey, I'm overweight and that's great. And I know there's going to be a clinician that says, oh, no, you should be accepting of who you are, but also want to change. You can't have it both ways. You can't be accepting, but want to change. Because if you want to change, it means you don't accept who you are right now. What we're saying is it's mentally unhealthy to have the stigma around your weight, and yet it's physically unhealthy to be overweight. So I'm not happy with the person I see in the mirror. And yeah, my mental health probably suffers as a result of it. But I I also think that's normal. And by normal, I mean natural. Like... This is my brain's way of saying, you've got to be healthier. And so when we all keep saying, oh, it's great, be happy with who you are, that's fine. I'm happy with who you are. And if you're happy with who you are, that's great. But the fact is, you're going to have issues because of it. So aren't we trading our physical health for our mental health? And if we don't have physical health, isn't that ultimately going to drag down our mental health in the end? We're just, we think we're trading one for the other, but we're not. It's all just unhealthy. So I guess that means I need to walk my dogs a little bit more and probably start paying attention to what I'm putting into my body too, right? Maybe I'll be happy with the person who's staring back at me in the mirror. I'll do that after the first of the year, for sure. I'll just enjoy life until then. All right. From uh, from my fat belly to the pork in Washington, it's next. Chris Marilyn for John and Ken, KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. This week at Safeway, enjoy big savings with the BOGO sale, where select items throughout the store are buy one, get one free. With this week's BOGO sale, get select meats like Signature Farms 90% lean ground beef or boneless skinless chicken breasts or thighs, buy one, get one free. Plus, select fresh produce items like one-pound containers of sweet strawberries or containers of blueberries or buy one, get one free. Safeway, come in and explore and see what other deals you can find. We have been watching what's going on in D.C. as Congress has been bickering about the omnibus bill. That's the spending bill. That's the budget, basically, right? And we have this annual tradition in America where we get to the end of the year and we start uh, talking about uh, spending. Starts in October, and inevitably we run out of money. And then they do a a continuation package. That package is then uh, usually set out. A continuing resolution, they call that. That package is then set up to expire sometime around Thanksgiving. Uh, nothing is ever done by then, especially in an election year like we saw this year. Uh, in many cases, it's for political reasons. They uh, they don't want to spend. The Republicans don't want to sign off on anything before they might 
gain control of Congress. The Democrats uh, don't want to don't want to compromise with the Republicans in case they hang on to Congress, or vice versa in other years. So they kick the can down the road. It's the other cliche you hear all the time. They usually uh, kick that down into the middle of November, right around Thanksgiving. Uh, nothing ever comes of that. The politicians are looking forward to their, their breaks, so they do another continuing resolution, which puts us right around Christmas. Uh, and so we end up with this annual tradition of, uh, are, are we going to close the government? It looks like we're not going to shut the government down. It looks like we made this happen. And Andy Field is our ABC News correspondent in Washington. Andy, you and I were talking about this yesterday. They had they have until tomorrow at midnight, right, that, uh, that they had to get this passed and for the president to sign it. $1.7 trillion spending package, right? Yeah. You, you know, a trillion here, a trillion there. You start to talk about some serious money. <laughs> uh, yeah, the uh, the Senate passed it overwhelmingly today. I think only 28 Republicans voted against it. Uh, A significant number of Republicans in the Senate voted for it. It it was a giant compromise. Republicans didn't get all the tax breaks they wanted for various corporations and wealthy folks. Democrats didn't get all the social programs that they wanted. But it it was a pretty good split-the-baby-down-the-middle compromise. And it's going over to the Senate. Now, Republicans in the House do not like this at all. And there's only one reason, because they're going to be in the majority in two weeks, and they want to get their fingerprints all over this budget bill and make all kinds of cuts and put all kinds of goodies in for what Republicans want. Uh, the, they, in fact, they even threatened the Republicans in the Senate, uh, saying, if you guys don't play ball with us and vote against this thing and let us have some say in it in the next Congress, then we're not going to play ball with you when we get the majority and some of the priorities you want won't be in our bills. Kind of the equivalent of uh, a 12-year-old holding his breath or taking the ball when you don't play by his rules in the, in the playground. Yeah. Right. Uh, that didn't work out. In fact, it mostly angered Senate Republicans and probably drove them to vote for the bill. Uh, Nancy Pelosi says that tomorrow morning they will vote on this thing. It will likely pass, and everyone will go home for Christmas if they can weather the storm. And then they have to get it to the president's desk, and then he's going to sign it, and everything should be wrapped up in time. Just in the nick of time. An 11th hour save again, right? Well, fortunately, it's a very short drive from the U.S. capitals of the White House. So, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll manage to get it to well before midnight tomorrow. Yeah, well, there's a blizzard coming, so who knows? Uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe we'll get something. Maybe we'll have to email it over. They'll uh, get Andy... the presidential snowplow. <laughs> Snowplow one, you're brilliant, my friend. So, Andy, uh, I'm 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 struck by the congressional Republicans threatening the Senate Republicans. I know there's there's always been sort of a a little bit of uh, I don't want to say animosity. That's not the right word, but uh, let's just say competitive spirit between the House and the Senate. Uh, oftentimes, uh, the Senate is considered sort of the superior of the two. Um, the the two units of of Congress. Um, it seems strange that McCarthy would uh, would threaten Senate Republicans. It'd be one thing if he said, "Listen, Democrats, if you pass this, we're not gonna we're not gonna do anything for you in the future because who cares?" This is, they they all say that to each other. Every chance they get, they say, "We're not gonna listen to you if you do this to us." And there's it's always idle threats. It just seems really odd to me that you would have the potential uh, Speaker in the House. Uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, saying to uh, to Mitch McConnell and the Republicans in the Senate, we're going to show you. This is this is kind of like the 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 brother saying, "I'm going to take my ball and go home," 
when he's already home and playing in the backyard with his other brother who can just go get the ball and play again whenever he wants. It's it's bizarre to me. Well, it makes more sense when you realize that Kevin McCarthy still doesn't have the votes to become Speaker of the House. And he's playing to the very tiny minority of folks like Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert uh, and uh, some of the some of the really further Reed, right yeah. members of the Republican caucus who do not want him to be House Speaker, and without their votes, he will not be House Speaker. So he's doing this tough guy act in in large part to assuage them, impress them to say, "Hey, I'm on your side, guys. I'm going to be a, a bigger, uh, you know, a, a bigger fiscal conservative than you guys are." And he's hoping that that may sway them to get their vote. I mean, that's the only explanation behind this. Does it almost backfire on him then, uh, Andy Field, our ABC News correspondent in Washington? Does it backfire on McCarthy if he's ineffective in in his posturing? Well, he has no control over the Senate. I mean, the, the Senate can do what it wants. Uh, but you know, if if he appears to be on their side. Look, Kevin McCarthy is going to have to make some super big deals with the devil in order to get this job. He's going to have to give the Marjorie. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene's already supporting him in large part because I'm sure Kevin McCarthy has, has offered her some plum spots on committees. Remember, Marjorie Taylor Greene was a freshman two years ago and immediately got kicked out of every committee she was in because she was uh, posting white supremacist Nuts. memes and all kinds of other stuff. Uh they got the entire house to basically make her a, a, a Twitter feed person because she did nothing in the house uh, for two years. Right. And then she got reelected. And now that the house has the Republican majority in January, she's going to have some power and she's using it to uh, as leverage uh, to give her vote to Kevin McCarthy. There are other Republicans doing the same thing. And it's going to be very interesting because Republicans, just as the Democrats have for the last couple of years, have the slimmest of slim majorities in the House. I think it's four votes. It may be a four-vote majority. I may be wrong about that. Uh, And that's a real problem. It was less of a problem for the Democrats because they tended to vote in lockstep. But this Republican uh, caucus is pretty fractured. There's some pretty far-right folks uh, that are very far right of Kevin McCarthy, even though, you know, he talks a game or he ignores some of some of that far right, what what Democrats call ultra MAGA rhetoric. Uh, but at the same time, he has to placate it in order to keep, to get that job. Yeah, it just seems really strange to me. Um... It's not strange, I guess. It, it, it's almost a precarious position where he needs their votes. But, I mean, most of us kind of expect that once she gets these plum committee positions, she's going to do some nutty stuff and make the Republican Party not look good. Uh, I mean, it's, it's well, here, her history is you know, Jewish space lasers are going to come up in committee meetings, for Pete's sake. Well, those are real. But um, the um... – <laughs> I love you. <laughs> there was a dollop of facetiousness there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's bizarre, uh, some of the stuff that she's posted online. Uh, and now she's got a feud yeah. with Lauren Boebert, uh, the other person who is often mentioned in the same breath as she. Uh, they, they're they yelling at each other. In fact, Lauren, Lauren Boebert actually brought up the, the Jewish space lasers uh, mocking Marjorie Taylor Greene. So expect to see some fireworks flying between the two of them in, in the same uh, political party. 
Well, the Washington gossip will be interesting. Hey, what was the deal? I saw Mike Lee, who was making a big deal out of the Title 42. Uh, was that part? Of, did that end up being part of the, the spending bill, or is that going to go to the wayside? It, he was arguing about it, keeping it, Title 42 it, it around. Not, yeah, he offered an amendment, which everyone thought was going to basically derail this entire bill. Uh, basically, he wanted to put Title 42, the, the, the rule, uh, that courts have thrown out. Now the Supreme Court's kind of put a, a, a stay on it, so it's still in effect. But he wanted to make that a federal law and put that into this budget bill so that it would, uh, for much longer, keep uh, asylum-seeking migrants out because of the pandemic, despite the fact that almost no one in the country is wearing a mask anymore. And, you know, we have vaccines, and it, it's fairly controlled, but not in a way that we'd like. Uh, that sure. did not passed that amendment did not pass and if it had it would have been stripped out of the the bill in the house because democrats in the house don't want it and that may have derailed the whole thing fortunately it did not and uh, i think we're on track to have this thing passed and everyone's going to be home and tiny tim will get his christmas ham and everyone will be happy Uh, god bless us everyone well, thank goodness. We, uh, we're, it looks like we're going to figure this thing out. Andy, love talking to you. Thanks for your hard work all year long, man. It's it's always you too, Chris. Have a, it's a, always a pleasure holiday. talking with you, and I admire your work. Thank you, thank you too. Buddy. Take care. Thank you. Yep. All right. Uh, one of the things that's in that bill may change the way you plan your retirement. Then the cynic in me says, maybe Washington is preparing to end one of the biggest social safety nets that we've had in this country for the last 80 years. I'll tell you what that's about next. Chris Maryland for John and Ken, KFI AM640. We're live everywhere on your iHeartRadio app. We'll talk about the uh, bomb cyclone here in the next uh, uh, in the next segment. As uh, I'm, I'm watching some of the... I got a message from uh, Pops. He's watching the, the, uh, the weather. He's in that blizzard warning area up in northern Michigan. I'm watching the... He says, well, you know Dem... Ain't going to be so bad, he says. Okay. <laughs> Everything we're hearing is going to be bad, but he says, well, you know them. And he's got proof it's not going to be so bad, they say. Uh, I'll tell you what that update is here in just a few moments. Um, I still think that your uh, travel is probably um, going to be pretty horrible, uh, just the same. As we talk with our correspondent from Washington there, Andy Field, who is just a great dude, by the way, uh, just just an aside, he is genuinely a good dude. Um, love talking with Andy. Uh, some of the stuff that's in this omnibus bill uh, is somewhat unique. We know that we've got defense spending. We know that we've got some other uh, social program spendings that are in there. Uh, we know that uh, tax reform is not a major component of this bill. And, and so it's a big spend bill. Uh, and half of that spending goes to the military. Uh, other stuff goes to other, you know, national parks and and uh, uh, monuments and all the other stuff that we spend money on here in this country. But there are other aspects of this bill that are a little more unique, including one uh, provision in there that modifies uh, retirement plans. And this is really interesting to me. Part of this omnibus package is the Secure Act 2.0, and this is aimed at low and middle income workers. Uh, those strapped with student debt and people who may not yet have long-term uh, have a long-term retirement account, and I think this is a good thing that Congress has addressed. I- I'm a bit skeptical as to why they did it. I'd like to think it's for purely uh, benevolent reasons, but uh, perhaps not. 
starting in 2025, most businesses would be required to automatically enroll employees in a 401k plan. Employees would contribute 3 to 10% of their wages. Every year, the contribution would increase by 1% until it reaches at least 10%, though not more than 15%. Businesses with 10 or fewer employees and businesses that have been open for less than three years would be exempt along with church and government plans. So most companies out there, not super small businesses uh, and not uh, churches, and of course, uh, those that have government plans, which would be like a, a pension on its own, uh, would be involved in this in this overhaul. It means that when you start a new job, they're going to take 3% and they're going to start putting it in a retirement account for you. Uh, This is great. Uh, Too many people opt not to put money in their retirement accounts. And I try to tell my kids, and I pull up up those retirement savings calculators. And, in fact, I I had this conversation with my oldest, who's 27 now. But um, at the time I had this conversation with him, he would have been... Oh, 21, maybe 22. And I said, look, if you put away, if you put aside $200 out of every paycheck, and I started doing the math, right? And I said, there's $2,600 a year, right? 52 weeks, basically $200 out of it. No, it'd be $5,200. $200 out of every paycheck. Uh, he gets paid biweekly. It's $100 a week, $5,200 a year. And I said, look at this. By the time you retire, by only making this donation, you're going to have over $2 million. And his mind was blown. He's like, $2 million. The problem is when he's 22, he has no concept of what $2 million is. He just knows it's a lot, but he can't. it's not tangible to him. He doesn't know what that means. So I was trying to convince him putting aside a little bit now can make a huge difference in the future. 3% for somebody who's 19 entering the workforce would be fantastic especially if they don't withdraw that money and especially if, you know, when they leave their job, they're not given a check. That happened to me at one job I had where I didn't have that much in there, I think $2,500 or something. No, $2,500 was the payout after taxes. Uh, But I left a job when I was young, and and they said, well, you know, here's your retirement, and I ended up paying taxes on it, and they cut me a check. I didn't want to do that. It's a mess. So I love this idea. This means that people aren't so dependent on Social Security when they get to retirement age because when you start doing the math, you start seeing how many people don't have any savings for retirement. It's terrifying. They're relying on Social Security. And as we all know, we keep, we've we been hearing this for years, Social Security may not be around for some of us. I, I got another 20 years to me before I retire. I don't know that I'm going to have Social Security available. And so the cynic in me says, maybe Congress is doing this right now because they know Social Security will not be there, and they're trying to replace Social Security with an automatic enrollment into the market, right? We're going to put all of our eggs in the capitalistic basket, and we're going to get away from the social safety net. And maybe it's because they know the social safety net is going to go broke. That's entirely possible. If you earn less than $71,000 a year, the federal government is going to provide a 50% match up to $2,000 in employee cash contributions. I hate it when they do this. They say, we're going to, we're going to include a 50% match up to $2,000. What? What it means is you're going to get a grand. If you make less than $71,000 a year and you invest $2,000 or more in your retirement account, roughly 3%, they're going to match. They're going to give you $1,000 to go with it. That's cool. Uh, 
there'll be some other provisions that go in there, including emergency savings. Uh, part-timers would be enrolled in such a thing as well. Uh, mandatory distributions would change so that uh, it, that would rise up to like 70, age 75 by the year 2033. So people are living longer. But right now they have to take their money out starting at age 72. Now they'd be able to leave it in there a little bit longer, uh, which is all great. One of the other aspects, because we know college keeps getting more and more expensive, and this is part of the omnibus package. This is part of the spending uh, bill, but this is actually a savings act that's part of the spending bill, which is crazy. We know college keeps getting more and more expensive. It's an argument that we have year in and year out, and colleges keep raising tuition. People strapped with student debt may not be able to afford to put money into retirement accounts, causing them to miss out on employers' matching contributions. Under the proposed law, uh, which is likely to be passed. Employers could choose to make contributions to retirement accounts based on an employee's student loan payments. In other words, there's a provision in there that allows for you to be able to make your student loan payment and still save for retirement. That's huge. How many people do you know that are making their minimum student loan payments and that student loan uh, total amount isn't really going anywhere? It's devastating to be out of college for 10 years and still owe almost as much as you did when you first left college. It's crippling, and that debt hurts. Getting out of debt should be your biggest priority once you're out, once you're out of college. Absolutely should be. All right, I'm going to talk about this uh, bomb cyclone. It's hitting the majority of the country, all except California, which is like, meh, we're good. But it is going to impact uh, a lot of us here. Uh, whether you know it or not, it's likely to impact you. I'll tell you how in just a moment. Chris Marilyn for John and Ken. It's KFI AM 640, live everywhere on your iHeartRadio app. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Got menopause? We've got you. Hi, Jackie here, founder of ExoJackie. Feel supported throughout your menopause journey and beyond with our organic protein powders and symptom relief boosts. Formulated to keep bones and muscles strong, ExoJackie products help reduce bloating, hot flashes, and weight gain. Enjoy 20% off with promo code EXOPODCAST. Shop now at exojacqi.com. Made for women by women.